0: what's so cool about this experience is like I it's my job to kind of like feather the throttle in terms of like pushing somebody to that point of proximal development like where they are just kind of in that place where like I'm asking them to do things with tools that they've never seen or used before that they might be a little uncomfortable with and like they do it and then they're like so proud of themselves and like just so excited
1: What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Along the McKeel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in today's episode, I get to speak with Nick Hallerhan, the founder and creator of the Mars Surf Exchange. The Mars Surf Exchange, or better known as Make and Ride, was created by Nick after he got the door slammed in his face hundreds and hundreds of times. I'm probably overestimating there, but he was tired of not being able to learn how to make a surfboard. And after some digging, some research, and learning some things from a friend, he decided to take upon himself and create a surfboard shop that would not only help you create a board, but would invite it and allow you to have the opportunity and the experience to go and make and then ride your surfboard. So it's a great program he has down there. He is a super interesting guy, and I'm really stoked to be able to have him on the show. We had a great conversation that stems far beyond surfing and really dives deep into what it means to be a part of the ocean, a part of something bigger than you, and creating a community, because that is exactly what Nick is doing. Before we get started with this episode of Along the Keel, I just want to shout out the guys over at the Chasing Tides Collective. We're going to be doing some awesome collaborative content with them in the very near future, and we have a great partnership with those guys, so make sure to head over to ChasingTidesCollective.com if you want to learn more about the Mar Surf Exchange you can actually read up on an article they did about Nick and telling the story from their perspective. That's how we got in touch with Nick, and that's how we got to do this podcast. So definitely a big shout-out to them. Not only that, but these guys actually went to Nick's shop When we were actually recording this podcast and took some awesome photos. So if you want to check out those photos, you can head over to our Instagram, give us a like, a share and a follow also up on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing some great stuff with these guys in the near future. And uh, just stay tuned for that. As always, if you could support the show by leaving a five star review on Apple and iTunes. You can also like, share and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. And uh, if you want to learn more, sign up for our newsletter at alongthekeel.com. Big shout out to Waypoint TV for being on the Waypoint Podcast Collective. And with that, my ramble is over, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Along the Keel. Well, I like the shop.
0: Thanks. Yeah, this is this is like the business end of things here. Yeah. We uh, I, I thought about sitting out in the pretty area, but this is like a more authentic
1: Nah, way better. And I love a, the
0: authenticity. There's a light. The light behind me might flicker a little bit, like out by the fin wall there, like all the way outside that door. That one, that's a flicker. Yeah. It's a little haunted in here, but we make it work.
1: That's all right. I have a, a friend of mine, John, who owns a coffee company, and I help him out every once in a while. And uh, I can just remember when he first started out, he was in his living room. But then, as he grew and you know went from one building to the next, and then to the next, and then where he is today is a bigger facility. Um, one of the buildings that he previously was in was supposedly haunted, and every time the power went out, we'd have a storm. Right. And um, yep. you know, <laughs> it's funny because I can remember going downstairs one day and there was a lock swinging back and forth. So supposedly it was haunted.
0: Shady. There's a so. A- a couple people live above us, um, which, like, living above a shop that works with polyester resin and fiberglass is, like, super ill-advised. <laughs> um, but there's, there's, like, a couple people that live up there. And when we were moving into the shop, there was, like, a woman moving out of that little, like, apartment. And she said that uh, there was a, a ghost in there that, like, they called him Drippy. Because, like, whenever whenever he came to visit, there would be a puddle, like, on their stairs leading up to their space. And no, I had, sure. so between them moving out and, like, the people who live up there now moving in, a buddy of mine was using it as, like, a little space to do pottery up there. And uh, there was there was a puddle, in fact, that would appear... But, like, it was associated with the leak in the roof <laughs> right above the stairs, of course. Right. Makes sense. Makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's so, funny how those things work. Yeah. Hauntings, though. You got to watch out.
1: Right. Well, speaking of a haunted surfboard making shop, uh, what do you call a place where you make surfboards?
0: Most people call it, like, a factory. But I, I try not to use that word too much because I think it makes it a little harder for people to access. Um, so like this room would be called a shaping bay, um, which is where like all the visually pleasing stuff happens. And then beyond here, it's just like really gnarly chemicals and dust and yeah, yeah. There's like fancy, pretty colors and stuff in other rooms. Um, but yeah, this is like the, the most aesthetically pleasing side of the shop. Well, thank you for Um, uh, showing us the behind
1: the scenes of the shop. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. We'll give you the good stuff. I can show you the standing room later after. Yeah, (laughs) that absolutely. That'd
1: be awesome. You know, of course when the ghosts go away.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So Nick, how did we get to you and I talking about making surfboards in a shop, right? I mean, how did this all come to fruition? Because You know, based on our previous conversation and talking with the guys from Chasing Tides, you never knew how to make a surfboard. So kind of give us a rundown as to how you and I talking today and where did this all start?
0: It was a it it definitely followed kind of like my personal journey a little bit because and I think that my personal experience with like finding my way into this industry has really educated and kind of informed the experience that we try to craft for people here um and and the kind of super condensed version and and I can go into more detail but the really condensed version is like getting into this industry and finding anybody to help you build a board even if you're just trying to do it as a hobby is super super difficult um there are barriers to entry and it's not like going to law school or it's not that I'm not saying you have to do a residency this and that but like the people are generally a little closed off and the, the industry is known for kind of people keeping secrets and being really proud of their ability to do a thing that other people can't do. Um, and so that knowledge and skill is kind of protected. Um, and so we have kind of set ourselves up to try and break that mold. And rather than kind of putting up a steel curtain that kind of blocks everybody from the knowledge so that they have to go to a big brand who's pumping boards out all day, every day. We really wanted to just pull that curtain back and say like, no, yeah, come in and see where boards come from because like it'll mean you appreciate us more, which is great. And it's going to make your surfing experience way more fulfilling because that journey is going to start way before you get in the water. Um, And so that for us and, and because that for me not growing up anywhere near the ocean, like it's a little odd to show up in a town with a, a surf scene and figure out where you fit inside of that um and so uh, yeah i guess to expound on that a little more like i i grew up in buffalo new york primarily mm-hmm. um nowhere and I, near the ocean yeah no i'm like and it's not even it's a complete opposite side of new york most people think like new york city as soon as you say new york but like in virginia beach i'm currently the same distance from New York city as I was in high school. (laughs) Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the same amount of driving that it would take now it would take when I was in high school in the same state. Um, so it's, I was nowhere near the ocean, but I grew up my family would once a year, if we were lucky, make it down to Hatteras, which is somewhere that my dad grew up going. And so we'd go to Hatteras and nobody in my family really knew how to surf, but we would all try um and so i don't give
1: it the old college try yeah
0: you know give it a whirl um and and that's it's funny because i hear like i've told you like i listen to podcasts pretty much all day every day while i'm working and i listen to podcasts with guys from the surf industry and they talk about like i remember my first wave it felt like i was flying and this and that and all i remember about like my first five years of like vacation surfing is just like Getting dominated. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting I, drilled into the sand. Getting, yeah, I remember like the first time that I like said shit and like the first time that I screamed at God because that all happened while I was surfing. <laughs> that was like my earliest memories. Um, but yeah, it's so it wasn't like I didn't have this idyllic, like I grew up down the beach and like I would go surf every day. It was like I got to surf maybe seven days out of the year if I was lucky. And like, we intentionally would go to places where nobody knew what they were doing, because we sure as hell did it. And like, we didn't want to get run over. Um, And so it was just full on like blind leading the blind into treacherous, whatever, you know, we didn't even know the difference between a good and a bad wave. And so like I go to Hatteras now. And I'm like, Oh, my God, like, I would never let my like 10 year old kid who doesn't know how to surf go anywhere near this. Right. Stuff. Why do they let us do this? This is dangerous. Exactly. Exactly. Um but it's I, it was it was great and it just really kind of planted that seed in me that like I was interested in that feeling and that culture mm-hmm. and kind of getting to know that world. Um and so yeah, I was in I was between my freshman and sophomore year of college and mm-hmm. realized for the first time that like I don't have to live in three feet of snow nine months out of the year and, um, kind of made the decision through a couple different kind of wavy paths to come down to Virginia beach, largely because a friend of mine knew somebody here that was through like a high school ministry that he worked for was Mm -hmm. teaching guys to make boards. Um, so that was like a a high school ministry called young life that it's somewhere between like a church youth group and like a big brother, Big sister kind of program. Sure. Um, What do you
1: think drew you to do that? Because you could have gone a different route and gone to a local surfboard shaper. Yeah. And probably uh, may have gotten the door slammed on you, right? But uh you you decided to go about it on your own and and go a little bit of a different route.
0: So yeah, at that time the the ministry side of like what that guy was doing with Young Life was more important to me than the surf side. Mm. Um and the surf was something that I wanted to explore. So like At that time, I would say like ministry was kind of slot one and like uh, the surf side of things was kind of something that I didn't know where, if at all, it ranked in like importance in my life. Now, do Um, you think
1: there was a correlation between the two? Like, do you think for the similar reasons you were going into the ministry that you were actually considering surfing
0: at the same time? um oh man i don't know i honestly i don't think i was deep enough at the time for that to be the case yeah i guess in retrospect i like i was half tempted a second ago to like lie to you and like draw that line <laughs> because i do see i see in retrospect you do, that yeah. connection for mm-hmm. sure but at the time i i was way too shallow for that i think um gotcha. <laughs> the but yeah no i do think that there's like kind of a I mean that's a young I was 19 it's like a young age you're kind of figuring out your place in the world and like right. the something about kind of exploring and connecting with something that's so much bigger mm-hmm. than yourself is like definitely attractive. Right. Um that's the lie that I would have told if I was going to tell it to you. <laughs> I love it. I love um, it. Um but but yeah I think the it, I just, the surf thing was just interesting to me and it was attractive to me and I knew that I wanted to kind of shake my life up and that was like the shakiest thing that I could do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like my original plan when I decided to like pursue surf and whatever was I had another friend who had another friend of a friend who worked at some like surfing ministry in Nicaragua and I told my dad like, hey dad, I'm dropping out of college and I'm gonna go teach kids to surf in Nicaragua. And he basically said like, yeah, no, like that's not how it's going to nah. play. And <laughs> right. so that, and and that's part of the story too, was like Virginia Beach was kind of our compromise where he was like, Hey, like I'm still helping you kind of pay bills and figure out how you're going to eat. And right. like, you're not dropping out of college until Isaiah dropping out of college, <laughs> yeah, um, right, which right. is great. And I'm, I'm thankful that he did that. Cause who the of heck course. knows? Like, I mean, you never know. I, I, I wouldn't have thought when I came here that the surf side of the things I was exploring would be where I ended up kind of taking my life. So who knows what I might've discovered in Nicaragua, but right. I think Virginia beach is like a safer launch point for sure. In, in many absolutely. senses of the word safe.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, but yeah, so that's, I think getting down here and getting my hands on that, it was, it was like a natural kind of outgrowth of just, where my primary relationships were at that time, mm-hmm. kind of in ministry um, and the surf side, like I I kind of dove into surfing itself right away, just as a hobby with friends and stuff. Um, but I didn't build my first board until like a year later. Um, oh, wow. And, and yeah, so that was, I moved here in 2012 and it was 2013 in the spring was when I built my first board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just loved it. It just, it kind of made sense to me um and I had or I thought at the time that I had an knack for it i I definitely didn't <laughs> um but i I could see myself being good at it, sure. and it was it was one of those things that's like right on that boundary between like oh, like I'm good at this.' Or like, I have an inclination to be good at this, but I'm not good yeah. at it yet. And so you it's got like
1: potential for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just
0: yeah. it felt just outside of like, what I was good at. Mm-hmm. And so it it just kind of excited me and kind of drew me into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was the fall of that year. I was like, okay, yeah, like, I'm gonna have my degree or at that time, I think I had already graduated. Um, and you, and like, you
1: graduated with psychology too, right? As your degree. Yeah.
0: So I right. was in school, uh, for psychology with a focus in counseling. Okay. Um, and so I had just gotten my degree. I graduated like a year early cause I would just go through the summers. Um, and then, yeah, like I had my degree and decided I was going to make surfboards instead of going into <laughs> counseling, like pretty Love much it. the same month. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And like, God bless dad. Like he was, he was excited, sort of a um, right. little cautious, I think, but excited and like always super supportive. Um, But yeah, that was kind of decided I was going to go for it. And then figuring out how to actually take it from like a ministry thing that like was an event that happened once a year where we made boards with guys and right. turn it into what I do every day from Nine to five and beyond, as my wife will tell you, um, (laughs) is is like a whole different kind of animal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know what I find interesting about, you know, well, first of all, building boards and teaching people how to build boards is one thing, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's this whole other aspect and and not to not to discredit that at all, because there's no other company that I think that's ever that's doing this, to my knowledge, right? Or at least on the East Coast. Is is there? All right. So you want that answer? The, yeah, go for it.
0: <laughs> so there, there were definitely people that did it before us, um, mm-hmm. and they, yeah, I mean they exist, like you, like you would assume, mostly West Coast. I think there, I know that there are a couple in like uh, Australia and maybe even Europe. Okay. And I, to be honest, those ones, I'm not sure how long they've been around. Um, but to my knowledge, we were the first people on the East Coast to focus on building boards with people. There were a few places that would, like, they sold materials and they sold tools and stuff. And, like, Mm -hmm. if you hounded them, they might take you through it. And, like, there have been surf shops or, like, individual shapers who, like, if you bring them enough beer over the course of a couple (laughs) years, they'd say yes and kind of help you out. Um, But we are the first people, to my knowledge, that opened our doors and said, like, hey, this is what we do. This is what we're about. And, like, the door is open to everybody. Right. Um, and this is kind of the annoying part is like, we can't say that anymore, uh, because oh because really? within the past, uh, within the past year is when it, I really started to notice it. But like, there are more places in Virginia beach where you can go and shape your own board now than there are in the rest of the country combined. <laughs>
1: mm, you started a trend. You started yeah, a good trend. Yeah.
0: I guess we got <laughs> in right before it got hot or something. I don't know. Or,
1: or you paved the way, whichever no, one, yeah, right? We paved
0: the way. We pay for it. <laughs> totally. um, and it's and it's like I don't, you know. They say that like it's a form of flattery, and it definitely is. I think that it's funny. Like I've I've always kind of joked like with friends and my wife. I'm like, gosh, like this guy is trying to knock us off. Like I'm just going to show him our books. Like he right. won't knock us off anymore, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it is. It's like a weird. I I think that people are. Uh, it, it makes sense. You want to emulate something that's working, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what doesn't make sense to me is like they assume that it's working, even though we've only been around since 2014 in any capacity. Right. Realistically, like we haven't had like a legal building since right, right. 20, er, 2018 was the first time for the first several years I was working out of sheds and storage units and right anywhere yeah, else like, we're still just figuring this out about. as much as you guys are yeah yeah so yeah. that's I think that's always what kind of makes me scratch my head as I'm like man like if I wanted to emulate somebody who is successful I would probably pick somebody who's been around the longest and like makes the most money <laughs> right 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 but I don't know or maybe our Instagram is just like too good or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. I love the honesty. But um, what's what's interesting is you have this great combination in in Nick. It's obvious talking to you. Like you're just a very genuine person, and you're honest and upfront. But you know, there's a lot of qualities of someone that that it's it makes it easy for you to go ahead and shape a board, and it's and it's more than just shaping a board. I mean, you discussing earlier on in our past conversations as well, and just talking with the guys from Chasing Tides who are now running around the shop, grabbing some pictures and whatnot. Yeah, you hear the clicks in the background? <laughs> we see you, Tim, back there. We yeah. see you. Um, Tim, you're not
0: that sneaky. He said he could see you. <laughs> uh,
1: but, uh, you know, you're just a genuine guy, so it's easy for, you know, someone to talk to you, right? And, and that's such a great quality to have when you're with someone side by side shaping a board, which they're then going to take and have their own experience with. And you know, the experience just doesn't stop in the shop, but it definitely starts here and it all kind of stems from you and, and how you can kind of almost it in some ways it's like a form of therapy, you know? And how is that kind of like, what is the interaction between you and someone shaping the board and the board itself?
0: Yeah, it's so like, like, my career paths were like counseling or like make surfboards and so it was literally like do you want to be in a small room with somebody else and like try to help them make their life better or do you want to be in a small room by yourself and like breathe dust and toxic fumes by yourself right um and and yeah like so this i mean part of this place is just like my selfish desire of like not wanting to choose <laughs> between yeah. those two paths. <laughs> Let's combine and, them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I, I really, the, the first couple years where I was like just making boards, like before we were really trying to put ourselves in that niche of like helping people make their own, I was just in a shed making boards. And it wasn't that rad. Like right. it's, you feel really great when you finish a board and you deliver it to the customer or you post a picture of it or whatever, or if you're making it for yourself, you get a wave on it and it's like mm-hmm. super magical. But like the active day to day, like you're just you're working, you know. And to me, like I love what I do, but like sharing that with somebody else who's never seen it before and like it impacts their surfing experience, like their perspective of surfboards and the surf industry as a whole and just like is this kind of physical thing that like our culture is so detached from um like so few people and i'm like blown away because i think i just grew up like a little different like i Mm -hmm. I didn't know that people brought their cars to mechanics to get their oils changed or their brakes fixed (laughs) until i was like 19 because that's well i just uh, well we just did it like my dad he just fixed everything you know it was like it blew my mind to realize like how many people like call somebody else to fix all their stuff. Right. Um, We're all just a bunch of suckers. That's all. <laughs> it's Well, no, I mean, I, and I get it. like yeah. now that my time is more constrained, like I totally get it. Mm-hmm. And like, I so, and I'm not even saying that one is better than the other, but I just didn't know like how foreign it was for most of our society to like not have made things with their hands. Right. And so it really is like, being in a room with somebody and like starting out with a raw blank that is like roughly surfboard shaped but not a good surfboard at all mm-hmm. um and and having them leave knowing that they just transformed that into something that is beautiful in and of itself but is going to function and like bring a smile to their face for years yeah. and years to come and like the the pride that you see in that person and like the process itself just like the you see people slip into like the zone mm. um and that's like my my psych degree is going to show a little bit here <laughs> um but like the zone that people talk about is a real thing like it is they yeah. call it in psychology it is like the zone of proximal development which is okay. when you are right on the edge of like what you can handle and so Thanks if you go so. too far into the world of the unknown you feel lost. And that's chaos. And it's like terrifying. And if you stay too much within what you already know, you don't grow at all, because there's nothing to learn if you're in a place where you already know. Mm -hmm. And, and that's like, what's so cool about this experience is like, I, it's my job to kind of like, feather the throttle in terms of like pushing somebody to that point of proximal development, like where they are just kind of in that place where like I'm asking them to do things with tools that they've never seen or used before that they might be right. a little uncomfortable with. Yeah. And like they do it. And then they're like so proud of themselves and yeah, like just away. so excited. Um, and, and, and it's my job too, to like know when to back off and like not <laughs> push too far cause you can ruin somebody's day if you drag them out into what feels like chaos. Right. Um, and that's so that's a really
1: interesting way to look at it. Like super yeah. interesting way. You know, yeah, it, it and, reminds me a lot about like, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but this idea of like the flow state, you know. That's exactly where what it is. It's the same exact thing. Okay, In psychology, all right, so that's
0: just, that's exactly what it is. Yep. Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, and I had a conversation with the guys from Crux Academy and Jeremy okay. Jensen, and he talks, we, we had a whole conversation about the flow state, you know, just yeah. feeling that that sense of urgency where you're actually learning something. And some, and there, there's new obstacles that you have to overcome. But at the same yep. time, you're not taken away so far that you're like you said in chaos. You know, like oh no, I yeah. don't know where I'm, what I'm doing, or or how I'm going about it. So when someone's in that flow state, and I love mm-hmm. how you use the analogy of feathering the the throttle. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's just so it's so perfect, and you're you know you said it so eloquently. So, what is your strategy to doing that? You know, like if you see someone that's never built a board before they're they're with a raw blank in front of them, how do you go? All right, well, how am I going to take this raw blank and then make it into a surfboard? Because at first you actually didn't know how to make a surfboard at all. And now, (laughs) (laughs) and now you're teaching someone else, right? So like, how did this, how is this transition and how do you then show someone this transition, the same one that you took part in?
0: Yeah. The, for, for me, like knowing the process is like that's your map, right? Like so, mm-hmm. the the process of like how to take a board from shaped or raw blank to like finished shaped blank that's ready for fiberglass. Mm-hmm. Knowing that process is like that's my job, mm-hmm. and like that is our roadmap, and like I am the tour guide that is basically mm-hmm. just like and and it, seriously, if you think about like being on some kind of bus tour or whatever, like the the Hollywood bus tour isn't going to point out Tom Cruise's house 20 minutes before you go by it. Like right. he's going to point it out with just enough time for you to look and see. And like <laughs> why Tom Cruise and why the Hollywood tour? I don't know why that's the example. But if if my job is to make sure that like I'm casting enough vision of the process so that they understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, But without overloading so much that it's like, well, I don't remember what we're supposed to be doing right now because you just stressed me out with this thing that we're going to be doing an hour from now. right? Um, right. And and so that's for me. and, And I've watched myself grow. And that's like, I think back to like some of the first people that ever came and made a board with me. And I'm like, Damn, I probably either owe them like a little bit of money yeah. or like a discounted re go at it because I've right. grown a lot over the years as well. Um, but it's yeah, like I, I think knowing that process, it really is like that's what you fall back on. And so whenever things happen in in your shaping process, and it's true even for the fiberglass kind of side of things, mm-hmm. like anything that happens, whether it's your fault or whatever like your job is to like okay this is what we have and like this is where we want to go how do i bring this thing back inside of the process that i know Mm. um and that took a long time for me to figure out because you'd only learn those things by making all of the possible mistakes yeah repetition
1: Um, repetition right yeah
0: yeah And and i didn't have somebody who really knew what they were doing, I didn't have anybody who had made those mistakes and learned how to fix them to teach me mm-hmm. um the guy who worked with young life and kind of led that program he like I love him to death he's a he's a good <laughs> friend of mine he didn't know what he was doing at a level to run a business on it, but he wasn't sure. trying to, and he didn't have to like the and that's another kind of difference between that ministry I was involved with then and and what we're doing now is the, like the goal of the ministry was to spend time with kids. Right. And like the goal of this business is like to spend time with people, but we got to keep the lights on. And so like me having solutions and making sure people are stoked and telling their friends about it, like, that's an important part of my job is like I am quality control and your tour guide. Um, right. And so right. it, it is definitely a tricky balance to maintain, but like the, I I just trust the process and like, I tell people to trust the process and like <laughs> we've, I've done a lot of boards, and like any mistake that you make today, like I promise I've made it more times and I've yeah. fixed it more times than that. Right. Um, and so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an imperfect process. Like mm-hmm. there's, you're not measuring like a perfect straight line. And then you cut right along that straight line. Like everything in a good board is curved, like in right. three different ways, you know, in every axis that we have the ability to see in our physical space, sure, like, sure. it is curving in that axis. And so, but even, even within that, there are tricks like you want to keep everything kind of geometric and angular for as long as you possibly can, because mm-hmm. as soon as it curves, like you can't measure shit. <laughs> right, right. It's gone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and th- and that's just a million, like one of a million nuances.
1: Sure, but a- a- at its core, you're really operating under these constraints. You know, of well, not constraints, yeah. but just no, ideologies really. that allow you, or or you could call them constraints. Yeah, I mean, it- it's just a matter of figuring out what those are and then adhering to them at at some level it seems like you know it's like all right we have a blank and it's in the shape that it's in we have to keep it within this range of shape but we can really make it into a short board a long board you know one that has a little bit more rock one that can you know carve into a a steeper wave or 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 tall wave short wave you know what i mean so you're
0: doing good with the terms oh cool because
1: i surf a kayak i don't even surf a surfboard no
0: you're crushing it um (laughs) but uh yeah so it, it really is all about constraints and there is like there is freedom in constraints right mm-hmm. so and, and I think that those constraints is is what keeps this whole kind of industry and this whole form of like bringing a board into being it keeps it right on that line between kind of science and art. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are kind of immutable like, Hydrodynamics are like a real thing and there are guys who like dedicate their whole lives to understanding that and like they make digital models and scale models of stuff and run dyed water under it so they can see Mm -hmm. how it's going to affect and and like those guys are like the super heavy science guys and there are guys who shape boards with zero measuring tools Because they don't, they don't care how long or how wide or how thick it is. They care how it's going to move through the water or what it's going to look like. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that they're not, nobody's wrong. Um, And, but I kind of like to try and walk the line. And, and some of that is because of the role that I play for people as their like shaping instructor is like, If I have a guy who's way into the science, like Mm -hmm. I better know the science. (laughs) And if I have somebody (laughs) come in who is not interested in the science at all, and they're looking at this process more as an art project, then I need to be able to speak that language as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, while I'm speaking that language at them, I'm also kind of balancing the other side of it out too. Because in my opinion, any one without the other isn't going to give you the best possible result. Um, Yeah.
1: You know, this reminds me a lot about, so I I do competitive weightlifting on, you know, just as as a fun hobby and sport. It reminds me so much of it because you're, you're abiding by these, you know, laws or constraints that say, okay, if you want to move the bar from the ground to overhead, then this is how you got to do it. Right. Right. So it's all right. If you want to surf this wave, this is the board. this is the tool that you need to do it. And this Mm -hmm. is how we build it. Right. And then there's all these nuances and ways ways to get stronger ways to shape a board. But at its core, it's like, there's no, there's no right way. There's only better ways. You know what I mean? So like you can get the bar overhead, but did you do it right? Did Mm -hmm. you do it? The, the best way possible. And but then with the back going
0: to feel tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. How's the back going to
1: feel tomorrow. And then, but within that, you know, you also mentioned like there's a the science side and then there's the art form side and weightlifting is the same way. And that's why I think it, it, it is such a great analogy is because some guys want to know the, the acceleration of a bar and you know, all the nicks and nooks and crannies and the percents versus other people are just like, yeah, fuck it, lift it up. Let's, let's go. Let's see what happens. I you know? That. So it, it's very it, it seems to me like there's a lot of similarities there um but I feel as though you can kind of apply those concepts to a lot of other art forms you know because yeah. in a way you know surfboard chafing is is very much so an art you know for sure for but sure. then that it coincides perfectly cuz surfing at its core is kind of an art form itself you know Absolutely. going and, and catching this wave so as you build this board with this person, you know, and they kind of go through the journey, you know, you mentioned earlier in our, one of our earlier conversations is that the the experience doesn't stop when they are done with you, right? The experience extends far beyond that, you know, and it kind of breeds this culture of, like you said, building stuff with your hands, you know, Mm -hmm. taking something, building it, and then being able to go ride it. You know, growing up I actually was able to build a boat with my dad, so I kind of have wow. some understanding of that. But what is that transition like? You know, like you you have this board, they're done, they're like, "Hell yeah, we just built a board." <laughs> right? And then and then it's like, "All right. You know, it's kind of like they're leaving the nest."
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's so I one of the best things about this like business and like saying business even feels weird because I really look at this place as like the property of our community you know Mm -hmm. like I don't and that's like I don't know if you saw it earlier but I kind of cringed when you were talking about like how this is all kind of like come from me and like I'm like I try not to put myself at the center of it because it's not Mm -hmm. like I don't I don't do this for me if I did it for me like my name would be on everything and it's not um and I don't want it to be like it's because I think it's bigger than that it's the vision of this place is to have a positive effect on the culture. And, but ultimately that is like, we're not changing the culture. We're not saying what the culture should be. We're just like trying to support what exists and like say yes to the things that we think will make the world a little bit better. And like not even say no to the things that we think won't, but like, like you're not going to see me sharing a, a bunch of pictures of like, girls in really, really skimpy bikinis <laughs> showing off our boards. Cause like, yeah. I just don't like that form of marketing. Like, I don't right. think that's a great thing personally. Um, but like, you're not going to catch me talking crap about other brands that do, because I get mm-hmm. it. Like it, it works and like, that's great for them. But right. I think that the, our vision is bigger than just like building a brand or building a business. It's, it's really to kind of support and encourage and just strengthen the community. Um, and we see that because the people that come in here come as customers and like mm-hmm. that's how they see themselves and that's in a technical sense what they are. But like virtually everybody that leaves here leaves as a friend. Um mm. and that is I mean, the chasing tides guys that are creeping around in the back. Like <laughs> they came in as customers and like we hit it off and we stayed in touch and they're great about stopping in and checking it, checking out on what we're doing and we stay in touch online and they shoot me pictures and let me know how their boards worked after they take them out fairly regularly. And like there is real relationship that happens when you are shoulder to shoulder with somebody making a magic surfboard. Like, right. It's just, and and there's some parts of it that I think are a little tricky to describe, Mm -hmm. but there is, there's such a culture of just like, putting up the perfect face and like showing kind of a strong exterior in our world. And like, you, you don't break that. Like our right. whole, you cure it. People talking about personal brands. Like I want to punch somebody in the face every time <laughs> I hear that. Um, Love it. Like th- it's, that is our culture. And like this in a way is the opposite of that. Like in yeah. order to become a customer here, the one prerequisite is that you have to call us and say, Hey, I want to make a surfboard and I don't know how, and like, I need help. And like, that is just so counter to everything else that is promoted in our culture Mm -hmm. that it really, it, it establishes the relationship with like the first part of our relationship with our customers is a little bit of vulnerability. And Mm -hmm. when you have that vulnerability, and then my job is to be a real person when you're in here shaping with me and like, I don't lie to you and tell you I know everything. I don't like callously look through you and just try to get you out the door as fast as possible. Like we hang out. Like if, if you're telling a good story, like I'm going to set my tool down and I'm going to (laughs) listen. Like, um, (laughs) and, and, and I hope that you do the same. Like if you're interested or have questions that you want to ask me, like it's not, there is time built into the schedule to connect with people and Mm -hmm. it's not like from three fifteen to three forty five, but it's like, it. I can shape a board in two hours. Mm-hmm. We plan for six to eight when we're helping wow. somebody make their own. Yeah. Um. And, and, and that is like, the the best thing about this business. And people who like want to build international, like super scalable businesses, will tell you it's the worst thing about this business, and we should <laughs> never spend that much time with an individual. Um. But it it creates genuine relationships when you, Mm. when you show a little vulnerability and connect with one person. And because we connect with one person all the time, like we're connected with a lot of people and those people get connected. And when you see somebody else in the water with a Mar logo on it, like, you know, that they've shared a similar experience with you. Like, yeah, you guys are kind of brothers in the craft and like, I I can see this future and like may or may not ever become a reality. But like if like my if if I'm on my deathbed and like people in the water are a little bit kinder to each other because Mm -hmm. there's like, hey, like I tried to make my own board and it was hard as shit. Like, how was it when you (laughs) made your own board? Oh, yeah. No, it kicked my ass. Like I had no idea it was that difficult. And they connect over that. And those two people who might not have ever known each other have that one moment of vulnerability with each other, which is the potential Mm. spark for another new relationship. Like that, that's all I could ever want. You know, like that is, that's like the best possible outcome for me It's just like one relationship at a time, you know? Yeah. You said it. I mean,
1: so many nuggets, you know, just talking to you and, and learning. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from having to, you know, getting to talk with, People in a vulnerable state, you know, like they're For all sure. building a surfboard, and you can kind of pick their brains and learn from that, and and have these interesting conversations. And you know, it was it's interesting. Like you're, it's so so true. It's one relationship at a time, you know, and you just never know where that relationship's gonna go. You you never know, you right. know, and and it could right. be a relationship with an experience. It could be a relationship with a person, and it's. Yep. It's so cool to kind of see down the road where dots connect, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, if, if, if I had, like, been disinterested in Tim telling me about this Chasing Tides thing he was trying to mm-hmm. start, like, two or three years ago, whenever it was that I met him, then, like, if I was, if I was rude to him as he tried to share that with me <laughs> while we were shaping a board and I was trying to finish that board and get home. Yeah, like, we'd never be talking. And, well, he never, yeah, he never would have introduced me to Ryan. Because right. he would have told Ryan that I was kind of a jerk, and Ryan never would have made that board with me, and like, yeah, you and I wouldn't even be here right now. Right. Um, and like, it's yeah. there's just so many things like that that like you just can't. And and it's not like the worst possible way to hear that would be like, oh yeah, Nick's nice to people because they might know people. <laughs> um, and I promise, <laughs> get that feeling. Bad, but <laughs> I'll get that vibe at all. <laughs> but you know, you, you mentioned so much
1: about relationships in in a world where I think now it's more important than ever, right? People mm-hmm. want to see authenticity. They don't want just some right. I always I always have the uh I, I've had this conversation with those guys about the the whole lifestyle brand ideology, you know. Yeah, man. So annoying. Yeah, so annoying. Man. Cause what it is, it's it's not being authentic. You right. know? If you don't have a story, if you don't have something to talk about that is meaningful and help someone then move on. Like, yeah. don't just put a logo on a shirt, right? Right. And, you know, with that being said, has there been any relationships that have come out of you making a surfboard that kind of stick out to you? You know, something mm-hmm. that is, that you were like, man, I took a lot away from that person.
0: Gosh. I'm trying to, like, I'm, I'm literally sorting through my brain right now <laughs> because, like, I, there are people that have become part of my like life Mm -hmm. that I met in here, you know, that I met at work. And so like, I'm literally having to sort through because I don't, they've, you have categories in your brain, right? Sure. Like, Oh, like I know this guy from work and I know this guy from church. And like, I run into this guy at that restaurant. Right. Like I'm sorting through my friend category first because I know that several of them, I met here and like they've shifted out of customer category and they don't sit in the customer category anymore. So I'm I having love, to, I love that. Yeah. I, but, well, so I guess that's the answer to your question in, in one sense. Yeah, um, for sure. but no, yeah. I mean, I have people that like, gosh, it really, it's hard to sort. This is a problem. Um,
1: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta organize your Rolodex,
0: man. Dude, I just, no, I just want it to be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it's very big, true. doesn't matter what the on. categories
1: are, just how many people are in
0: it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. That's, you must be from Rhode Island because it's all about who you know in this state. But it, it's really like that in, in every state. <laughs> I think it is.
0: I think it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... You know, I I just I love that answer to that question because it was so open ended, yet at the same time, it answers it beautifully. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like all all of us, it's not about it And and the people from rugged seas who were on the second episode of this podcast really put it in perspective. It's like it's not about what you're doing. It's about the people you meet along the way, you know, it's about it's about spotlighting people and giving them the opportunity to talk. And, you know, I try and do something every time I go to the grocery store, no matter who's checking me out, I go, hey, man, how's your day going? And and sometimes I get oh, it's going good and they just go right back to the register. Yeah. And then sometimes it's this conversation that sparks up and I'm waiting for the day where I get to say, hey, check out this podcast or, hey, you know, maybe I can help you out because you don't like your job right now, but I can give you one or if right, I know right. someone that knows one and. I I can't tell you how many times that has helped me in the past where you just give someone a chance, you just start that conversation and then all of a sudden it comes back around in, in perpetuity, right? It's all, it's, it's the whole thing about karma. And it just seems like your whole little surf shop right there in Virginia beach is just a karma factory.
0: (laughs) Dude, I'll tell you what. So March of 2020, like, the COVID news is hitting the fan and like, Mm -hmm. I gotta be honest with you, man. If like I was not me, if I was anybody else on the planet, right. And financial times are getting weird. And like, you might get laid off because of this and that. The first thing I'm cutting out of my budget is making my own surfboard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like that is like not, nobody would tell you that's a wise investment. Um, And I had serious conversations with my wife that were like, hey, like we've got this much in the bank right now. We have inventory, like we could pull the plug, sell off the inventory we have and I'll go get a grown-up job and like it'll mm-hmm. be okay, you know, cuz worst-case scenario is we ride it out and 6 months from now, a year from now, like people aren't coming and buying surfboards or buying a paying to make their own surfboards let alone, mm-hmm. especially like hey yeah, like let's get in this little dusty room together and like breathe each other's (laughs) air for the next eight hours.
1: Yeah. right. Um,
0: Like it's not a great pitch in the middle of COVID. And Mm -hmm. like, I was terrified. Like it, it easily could have been the end for us. And like, and we said like two weeks, like let's just check in in two weeks, see how it's going. And then, you know, we'll kind of set another date and we'll just keep having hard conversations if we have to. And yeah. we, we never had that two week check-in because like it, people just showed up. Like yeah. people showed up, people called said like, Hey, like this is crazy. Like, are you guys still open? Because like, I don't have to go into work and I've been wanting to come shape of word with you guys for years. Everybody tells me it's great. That's and awesome. like mom's calling, Hey, like I can't take my kids to school. Are you guys open during the day? Like, can I, have him come make a board with you. And like, is it okay if he hangs out for a little bit? Like after he's done, like, does he know how to use a broom? <laughs> um, and <laughs> Let's put him to work. Yeah. And it really just like, we had people, we, we offer the opportunity for people after they've built a board with us, like to just kind of use the space. So yeah. we, we have like a membership where you just pay like a low monthly fee that gives you access to the tools in the space. And we had some people who had built boards with us in the past, basically just say like, Hey, you guys better get through this. I'm going to buy a year long membership, even though I probably won't be able to make it in in the next year. Cause I got a lot going mm. on. And like, I mean, it really like, it it blew me away like this. And we were, 2020 is the best year we've ever had. Um, that's awesome. And we're a young and like growing business. So it's, you know, I'm not going to say that like COVID was the best thing that ever happened to this business. Cause mm-hmm. one, that's just like a really gross thing to say. Um, yeah. and, and to, I just don't know, I don't have enough data to really tell you that. Um, but like, I was, I was horrified of, cause everything you hear is like small businesses are going to sh- suffer and sh- close right. and never come back. And that's happened in uh, countless industries all over the world. Absolutely. And, and we've like, just, we've been okay. It's like, yeah. it's, it's really incredible. And I, I do. I don't think it's a miracle. Like I think that it's people who have had great experiences with us want us to be around. Um, Yeah, and that like that blows me away. It really does.
1: It's really cool to hear that because that's just truly a testament to your ability to and the community to come together around what you've created, right? And I know you keep on saying, you know, it was created by a community, and 100% agree. But you know, you were you were kind of the guy with the rains, right? I mean, I pay the there's tax. gotta be, you, you pay the taxes. There's some guy that keeps the lights on or whatnot, even though Tim will turn them on and off for you. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool to be able to hear that. And I think, you know, just weighing in on COVID a little bit, it, it's interesting because as a, as a captain, right. I, I now work for a towboat company here in, in Narragansett Bay. It's, uh, it was a wild summer.
0: It was crazy busy,
1: you know, and what I think is, you know, there's a lot of downsides of COVID and I totally understand that. And, you know, bless the people that, you know, unfortunately had to go through something rough during this time, but man, did it help out the outdoor industry, you know, and not, and not just the industry, but it just helped out the outdoors, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, it helps people realize how much they want that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's sad that it took something like this to wake people up, but like, yeah, Hey, like the only thing you're allowed to do is go outside and people are like, Oh shit. I liked outside. Like right. outside is There's great. Outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah.
1: It's wild. And and you know what? It doesn't matter what you're doing outside. It's just a matter of, are you going outside? Right. Absolutely. You could be, if you could be surfing, you could be, you could be kayak surfing. <laughs> right. Right. That's I'll weird. allow it. I'll <laughs> allow it. <laughs> I know not everyone is a fan on the, on the, on the break with a kayak surfer, but Nick, it was funny there <laughs> when you is. said that. I'm always hesitant. I was hesitant. And you were like, no, nah, man, it's just about catching waves. And I used that line today on someone.
0: There you go. You know, I was like, they, they took it well. They said the same yeah.
1: thing as you. I was like, right on. I like this guy. There you <laughs> go. As long as it's um, not
0: the same wave that they're on. That's what I've found. Everybody's like pretty excited to hear that somebody else is catching waves and having fun. As long as it's not the the one that they're on. <laughs> yeah. As
1: long as you're not stealing my wave, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. But you know, it's like COVID man. It, it's, it, it really did push a lot of people outside, right? It had, Absolutely. you know, it had a pot, it had a lot of negative impact, but then again, it had so much upside, you know, I think yeah. it's just a matter of how you look at things and you being, seeming like a very optimistic person, um, it, that's just how you got to go about it. You know, you roll with the punches. Yeah, it it sucks, but you just keep moving forward. And, you know, the outdoors are, are a great equalizer. I always say that. Yeah. it's like the ocean is the best equalizer. It gives a baseline for everyone and it's going to do whatever it wants with you because it Amen. doesn't matter your opinion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said and in ha- and the ocean kind of being this, this driver for Mar you know it what kind of challenges have you kind of had to to overcome you know like there's yeah. got to be some moments where you're like ah oh, wow. i'm i'm done <laughs> i'm so done wave the white flag right
0: oh dude i so up until 2020 is the first time ever that my wife and i haven't had conversations every 6 months to like mm. say like hey is this still the best thing for you to do with your time um and that's like yeah, I mean that's just real, you know. Like we've, like my my wife is like a freaking champion, man. She sacrificed, <laughs> like I. So when we met, I was prepping to move out of my house and into a van, um, mm-hmm. just because partially because I kind of wanted to, and partially because like that would just let me put more money into the business, which I was trying to start at that point. Yeah. Um, and like didn't phase her. Didn't phase her parents. <laughs> their only thing was like, if it was really, really hot or really, really cold outside, they made me stay at their house. Um, oh, that's awesome. the <laughs> but otherwise, they weren't phased. Um, but no, like, we've personally, like, we've definitely sacrificed. Um, I, I'm, uh, this is like one of those awkward things I don't really like to talk about, but I'm, I graduated college with a 4.0. Like, mm-hmm. I could, I could do whatever the hell I want. Um, and this is what I wanted to do. And like, I, I'm not sure like how much you've been around the surf world, but like, there's no money in surfboards is like the Mm. quote in the surf industry, even the guys who own surf shops and like make a decent living, they make it all off the t-shirts and the surfboards are just a loss leader. Um, and we have essentially taken like, what's the only thing harder than making a surfboard having somebody who's never made a surfboard make a surfboard (laughs) and like it has to be right the first time. Um, like we really have taken on like a crazy task in trying to make a viable business out of, um, yeah, like the hardest possible things in the surf industry. Like those are our bread and butter. Um, and like, we this year i'm trying to like oh yeah shoot like i bet if we made more t-shirts like people would probably buy them and like Mm -hmm. i bet that if we just like had cool stuff to sell in the shop like people would probably buy it and like used used boards that like we already have a bunch of and like it would be really easy to get more and like reach out to our network and get people to bring us stuff that they're trying to get rid of and like we we wouldn't even have to like put on a respirator or break out the sander to like turn a little bit of profit on that. And Mm -hmm. like, that's pretty neat. Like it's, it's just (laughs) dawning on me that like all of the super low hanging fruit in this industry is available to us. We haven't touched it because we're having too much fun doing the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so there, there's been personal sacrifice and like I work probably twice as much as most people I know and probably get paid less than half as much. Um, but that's those are decisions that we've made because we believe in the bigger vision, and mm-hmm. we like we're happy to like live personally with a little less because we believe that one day this will be more, um, right? And and not necessarily in a financial sense, even like hopefully, yeah. I mean that would be rad, but that'd like be
1: nice, yeah, it'd yeah, be
0: cool. Like, <laughs> um, but we'll see. It's it's not like the we're, we're investing financially in like intangible kind of community success is kind of like, Mm. um, and, and I do really honestly believe that like, if we are important to the community, the community will not let us go unfed. Um, right. And, and COVID I think was good proof of that concept at least. Absolutely. Um, Like we, that was, a time the first, probably the most serious I had ever been about like, Hey, it might be time to just pull the plug on this thing. Mm. And it turned into the best year we'd ever have. Um, and, and how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some transparency. Like I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I put some video up. Um, and again, I try not to make myself the center of our Instagram because it's so annoying when people do that. But I, i just wanted to be honest with people, and like I told them, like, hey, look, like, we're, we don't know what the hell's gonna happen. You don't know what's gonna happen. Like, I'm not gonna tell you what I think is gonna happen because I'm sure as hell not a doctor or anybody that knows anything about this stuff. But like, this is scary as a business, and like, for now, you guys can still surf, and like. No offense, but I hope you ding your board when you serve. And I hope you (laughs) bring it here when you need it fixed. Yeah, of course. You know, try to have fun with it. But, like, we're going to need you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I, it was awkward and, like, maybe a little – I'm sure some people saw that and were like, oh, why don't you just go, like, beg on a corner somewhere? It's basically the same thing. But, like, for people who know us and, like, have have come to the shop and, like, I I trusted that they would see – my heart and just like Mm -hmm. that as real vulnerability, um, and transparency. And I think that that's how it was received. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a wild year. Um, and, and so I trust that as we continue to grow, like we will gain more support and that just means more people are going to be in our corner. Um, and so I, I really do, I had to tell this to a young guy that worked for me recently. Um, the people who say there's no money in the surf industry are the same people who never miss waves to go to work. You know. Um, yeah. And and that's frankly, like, I could, dude, I could go on with challenges that we face forever. <laughs> so, like, feel free to stop you, me whenever.
1: You, no, you know what? I I love it because the the I can I'm just I'm laughing because. I can't tell you how many times I've been told you can't do that. That's a dumb idea. Yeah. Or there's no money in that. Or, yeah. you know, why are you going to do that? That sounds stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say that it happens all the time, but I've never, I mean, in some, once or twice I've applied for a job but I have never in my life actually gone and applied for a job yet. I've always worked full time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've walked into, I've walked into places and been like, Hey, need some help. But that's mm-hmm. the extent there's no. Yeah. And I listen to all my friends who have to like go through all these bif- different phases and they have to like submit all these resume stuff. I don't have any of that, man. I haven't yeah. done that, you know? And it's like, it, it I think that's just a, a, a testament to saying that there's money in everything. Yeah. And, and it's not just about the money. Like, it's just not. Right. But if we use if in unfortunately, in today's society, we use money as a metric of success. You got to right? eat. Man. You, you got to eat, though. Right? Yeah. You got to have the lights on, fuel in your car. But in reality, it's it, there. It's all what you make it, you know? Yep. You can either sit back on your hands and say, oh, COVID was the worst thing ever, you know, and, you know, pout and... Or, you can go bang hammer, hammer and nails and, and do something that you love and see what happens and just take a risk and take a chance. Cause that's what it's all about. You know, right. it, yeah. that's what it's all about. And, and I just love that, that you brought that up because deep down inside, that's what fires me up. It's like, Oh yeah, dude. Just telling people that there's, there's money in everything, there's success in everything. You just got to go find it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, I've, I had the, so the same guy actually who, uh, worked with young life and like was kind of the guy that introduced me to board building. He always used to say, um, don't look for like what job you want to have. Think about what you want to do with your life and then figure out how to make money at it. (laughs) Um, and that's like, I mean, this is, I mean, this is it. Like this is my happy place. Like it's, I love to be here. I love what goes on in here. And, and I love the future of what it could grow into. Um, you're a professional you. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty weird people shouldn't pay me for that that's weird i feel <laughs> we like you
1: get paid to be nick
0: <laughs> i i guess yeah i don't know i mean I yeah no i guess i do yeah well I i'm <laughs> that's, I mean, <laughs> that's what I, i've had people ask me uh like oh like what would you do if you like won the lottery i'm like mm-hmm. no i would do the same thing like our shop would just be like cool as shit <laughs> way cooler <laughs> like everything would be hooked to shop bags and like the filtration <laughs> would be insane um but but no yeah I mean i there's this is it for me yeah um and it's and yeah i I we're, we're gonna we're gonna be fine, like I really believe yeah. that now, and that's what's been so cool like we're not where we will be someday we're not where I want us to be even right now um mm-hmm. But we every single day, the the path between where we are and what we could be becomes a little bit clearer. Mm. Um, and where do you see that? Where do you see that path going? Yeah, there's some. So, <laughs> <you know, laughs> I have to be a little careful because just like with what we're doing right now, like I, I to my knowledge, it's, it hasn't been done before and it's going to be mm. badass. Um, but I love secrets. Yeah, yeah, no, this is good. We could check back in for part two if it yeah, happens. We'll check back in. Um but no, I think the we are going to be a place where like when the waves aren't good, which is most of the time in Virginia Beach, you are gonna be able to go and connect with surfing and connect with people who love what you love. Um that's the that's the core. And yeah. and I think there's a dozen different ways to do that um i have some ideas i think would just suit our culture really well and would Mm -hmm. be really fun and uh, include things that um my family is passionate about and i think would just continue to kind of be good for everybody um but i shouldn't say too much more i guess if i (laughs) if i keep letting myself ramble i'm gonna spill secrets so i'll stop
1: (laughs) Well, on that note, where, um, where can people hear more about you? You know, like if you want to get involved, you want to make a surfboard, where can people get to know you?
0: Yeah. So we, I think the easiest place is, uh, Mars Surf Exchange, uh, which is just on Instagram. So at Mars Surf Exchange, um, and we do, we try to do daily stories. Um, we, we put stuff up there, finished boards, get put up there all the time, parts of the process, kind of tips and tricks. Um, Lord willing, if COVID ever goes away, we'll have events where we just open door, people come hang out. We've had like 80 something people here before just hanging out, watching boards get made. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good place to kind of catch up with like the timely stuff. Um, our website is not updated nearly as frequently, but it's got all of like the technical info. So if you're curious about what it costs and that kind of stuff, like, it's, it's all on there, but I really think that if you're in the area, if you're able to, you have to just come by, um, because the, you can't smell the shop on mm-hmm. our website, you know, and like, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. We're, we're, working on it. Um, we're working on that. You can't like, when you get back in your car, like, and have dust on you, like, and you have to like brush the shop off of yourself. Before you go back to work after your lunch break, like you can't replicate that experience mm-hmm. online or on Instagram or on on the phone. But we're we're here, like we're adding to our team so that somebody is always more available to hang out and have the long conversations that people deserve. And we we are intentionally are kind of growing the team so that like I don't have to feel split between building boards and spending time with people. Um, and I should say like getting boards out the door in, in the kind of the production set, you know? Um, so we're, we're adding to the team kind of specifically with that purpose in mind, like so that boards can keep moving out the door and people can expect to find a friend when they come here. Um, but yeah, we're out there. Mars, Surf exchange on everything pretty much. So (laughs) right on.
1: Well, Nick, it's, uh, such a cool conversation we just had. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to share it. And uh, thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for having us. It's been a blast. Thank you guys for tuning in to another
1: episode of Along the Keel. It was great being able to talk with Nick and learn all about the Mars Surf Exchange and how he has built an incredible community, but also an incredible experience. And that's something that I really resonate with him. When I was growing up, I actually got to build a boat with my dad. And that experience will hold through my entire life. You know, it was something that we could both relate to on, and was a great experience to have because it teaches you patience, and it teaches you the responsibility once that once that thing is built, right? Whether it's a house, a surfboard, a boat, a car. It, it in, there's some sort of investment that goes into it when you build it yourself. And I think that's something that's really valuable coming out of this episode and learning from and talking with Nick and learning the value of building something with your hands and um, just the connection to the ocean, right? I mean, those things go hand in hand. And it seems to me like there's that surfers are really craftsmen. I know a few surfers that are carpenters. I know surfers that are creators and business owners. So the surf community props to you guys because you guys are doing something good and doing something right. Again, another big shout out to the Chasing Tides Collective and being able to take some awesome shots and get over there and make the connection with Nick. It was great being able to talk with him and uh, just want a big shout out to Tim, Nick and Ryan for all of your help. It's been a pleasure being able to partner up with you guys and have these awesome collaborations and for many, many more to come. Very excited. So if you are listening to this, you want to learn more about Chasing Tides Collective, head over to their website, ChasingTides.com. Also, you can check out the article they wrote about Nick, which is actually a fantastic article. I would highly suggest it. And uh, you can check that out on their website, as well as a snippet of it on ours. So you can have it along the keel or Chasing Tides and learn more about Nick. Not only listen to the podcast, but also read a great article written by the Chasing Tides crew. So with that, guys, I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of Along the Keel. I can't tell you how much it means to me when you guys tune in, leave a comment, let me know what you think. And if you wouldn't mind, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you want to scroll all the way down, tap that five stars, write something nice if you choose to do so. And you can head over to our website, alongthekeel.com, and sign up for our newsletter, where we're going to be sending some great information coming in the very near future. Newsletters in the works, along with some very other cool things coming to Along the Keel in the spring of 2021. So with that, make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and we'll catch you on the next episode.